0: Welcome back to the line podcast my name is aaron alexander this is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind body and movement today's gorgeous episode was with my friend kian vu dr kian vu that is Dr. Vu is an interventional radiologist. He is a certified badass in the medical field and he's had a very interesting life starting off as a Vietnamese refugee. He shares that experience in the podcast today. He's been featured on The Doctors and all the major news networks and he's like certified fantastic medical doctor. I'm very grateful to to share his perspectives on health and well-being and also his latest book Thrive State with us today. I originally met Dr. Vu through ketamine-assisted therapy, which was a very interesting thing. He was leading it and had administered it with me, and um, it's very, very interesting, impactful experience. So we get into all of that in this conversation. I think you guys are going to really get a lot of value from this conversation. I wanted to thank Inside Tracker. I know. Every single one of you listening right now is striving for more energy, better sleep, a healthy immune system, improved personal performance, and the vitality you need to live longer, better, happier lives right now. But... It's confusing out there. There's a barrage and cacophony of biased, misleading, impersonal information that creates doubt and confusion obscuring your way forward. Everyone is telling you something different, and it's impossible to know who to believe. Diets and health routines aren't and shouldn't be cookie cutter plans because each and every one of us is different. That's why I just got testing done with Inside Tracker. My test results gave me a clear picture of what my body looks like on the inside, a clear measure of whether my diet and exercise choices are helping. Or hurting me, and a clear idea of who or what to trust when it comes to health, wellness, and performance guidance. If you're tired of guessing, tired of confusion, and tired of just following someone else's plan that works for them but not for you, then I highly suggest checking out Inside Tracker. They give you a clear plan on how to make the best nutrition and exercise choice for your body, specifically your body. That's the big difference here. Get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store by heading over to the inside slash align that's inside tracker i n s i d e t r a c k e r.com slash align again that's 25% off the entire inside tracker store when you go to inside tracker.com slash align that's inside slash align I hope you guys devour this conversation. I really enjoyed getting to check back with Dr. Kean. It's been a bit since we've got to chat. And uh, I hope you guys learn a lot from him because he has a lot of meaningful information and knowledge and life experience to share. All right, here we go. Back to the podcast with Dr. Vu. Wow. Just to be quadruple check sure your name is just ken there's no there's no kin
1: kien oh i thought i thought you called yourself ken before i sometimes do that when people i'm like fine use ken no it's kien oh that's my
0: strong preference and i was like i'm like am i being racist if i call you kien (laughs) No, no no yeah like kien kien perfect Perfect.
1: Kien Vu. I love Kien. Kien. There you go. I love. All you. right, good. I
0: was having this whole conversation myself on the way here. I'm like, <laughs> I gotta call him Ken, but I'm like, I really want to say Kien.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. Seriously, I had a kid. I seriously had a kid. Oh my god, what a story. Jeez. How did that happen? Well, I mean, COVID. The happened. specifics.
0: Well, the yeah. details. I want visuals. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took all of 30 seconds. That's good.
1: That's good. For a whole lifetime good. of potential. How's it changed you? Oh, many, many different. I mean, one, kind of growing a, a relationship now that involves, you know, providing for four different lives and trying to do that while maintaining, you know, my own purpose, my own identity. So that's been a, a little bit of a challenge. And also just learning to love and grow with a partner that has a different attachment style as me and different communication preferences. All that is, is, is growth. And part of me is like, oh, this is shit. I need to get out. But,
0: The relationship is you guys are are
1: navigating. Really, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. From the very I start. Appreciate your honesty, Yeah, dude. Sorry. The relationship, I, you know, was navigating from the very very start. I mean, there is some, you know, sort of. Uh, inner child stuff, you know, uh, on both sides that trigger each other, but now doing the deeper work of understanding that, knowing that at the very base level, there's love. And because of that, and because of maybe, you know, the, uh, you know, the people in the lives that we want to hold together, are we willing to do the, do the work with each other? You know, How's the process of the work? Uh, it's been beautiful. It's that been one a one? Couple, uh, so one, it's couples therapy every week, right? right? She's also doing some, uh, traumatic therapy as well. Not quite sure she's ready for me to, you know, mention that it. stuff yeah. in, in podcast. But
0: yeah, it's uh, yeah. more so, the, so, the general approach. Like I think the term "the work" yeah. is something that gets thrown around a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, I think she's doing, yeah. She's doing like, what that looks she's like. She's doing a
1: lot of uh, maybe not even Nicole anything
0: related to her, but maybe just you or you know or whatever, whatever, whatever is good to share. You
1: know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so it's, it's been therapy. It's been plant medicines. It's been you uh, guys um, doing together. Yeah, we, we've done AYA together. We go on ketamine uh, journeys together. Oh. You know, where'd you do AYA? Uh, in Temecula, about a year and a half ago. Hmm. Yeah, not not like in Costa Rica. Or anything yeah. like that, But have did you just, done any of those? Just no, I've done night. it like four or five times already. But are you just one night ceremony, or was it multiple? No, it was like, nights? A, it's like two nights with with, uh, with Aya, one day with San Pedro. Cool.
0: Yeah. Oh, great. What's the process been in navigating the relationship and the integrating plant medicines into that? Has it been
1: supportive? It's been very supportive because the plant medicines, much like ketamine, allows you to sort of like bring down, we can talk about this too, bring down your, your default mode network, right? Mm-hmm. Your normal brain that is... You know, when you're not actually focused on a task, this ego mind that's thinking this reptilian brain, it kind of slows that down. And with ketamine, it dissociates all this old stuff. So any trauma that's there, you know, you sort of release yourself from that, from a, you know, for a second, and then you have time and space to create new pathways of, okay, feeling different, or at least being able to notice it and noticing that it is a, it is a program and pattern that's in you that's not necessarily you. Yeah. And that's that's part been beautiful. And then if you have the awareness of that, and you can see that then now you have new choice. Hmm. Right.
0: Within yourself, what do you feel like what's been the biggest takeaways and, and, and learnings or maybe things that you thought were true about yourself a year and a half ago that now you you've
1: kind of evolved through or from or like what's. I've always known intellectually that we are lovable and we are worthy of love and everyone is worthy of love. Yeah. But doing the work consistently to remind myself of that, to remind myself I don't need X, Y, and Z or a white coat or the MD behind my name uh, for me to feel that way. It's, yeah. No, that's it. And then actually, you know, having a child being born too reminds me of that all the time, that we are worthy.
0: Yeah. yeah. You came from such a fascinating background with – you were.
1: Was it you were in a refugee boat for like yeah. eight, eight months? Yeah. Did that so, happened. That happened. So I was born a couple of years after the Vietnam War, right? My parents are Chinese immigrants to Vietnam. So my grandparents emigrated from Guangzhou, China, when Japan was bombing China at the time. So they were immigrants there. We have a small Chinese community there. They were persecuted against as immigrants, Chinese immigrants in Vietnam. And that's where my parents were born. After 1975, which was the end of the Vietnam War, I was born, the whole country was going through a shift in, in ideology and regimes. Uh, my parents had owned a pharmacy at the time. Those businesses were all taken over. All the, all the monies and currencies were, 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 were taken away from the people. And my parents said, we've got this unborn child here. We don't think there's going to be a future for this guy here in Vietnam. So they tried to escape by refugee boat. So initially, they they tried to sneak out in a small boat in the middle of the night, my mom being pregnant with me. I can't wow. even imagine this because I just had a kid myself, right? Wow! They got caught. My dad got thrown into prison, a re-education camp. And my mom was forced to uh, entertain the troops. She was a singer and a pharmacist. So she was, she was forced to entertain the troops while she was pregnant with me. Wow! My dad was in prison for several months, you know, and I was born without him by my side, but uh, when he was released, we were like, we need to get the fuck out of here. They took me, when I was only like two to three months old, on a refugee boat, escaping Vietnam. And we ended up in the Philippines. There was no room in the Philippine refugee camp, so we were stuck on that boat for eight months. Imagine 2,000 refugees on a boat for eight months. People died of dysentery. people fell off the boat. I oh man, I, I I think of my daughter right now, who's four months old, and I was right around her age in that boat, so I can't imagine what my parents were were you thinking born on the boat? I wasn't born on the boat, okay, but I was only a couple months old. My dad told me I pretty much entered the boat and left the boat where a kid should be growing about the same size. Wow. I nearly died of dysentery. Wow and that was the only time they, they allowed me to leave the boat was when I was this floppy baby, I, I kept having diarrhea wouldn't eat. They let me out to go to a Philippine hospital. So survived that, only infant to have survived on that boat. And then uh, we spent three months in a Philippine refugee camp. And then we were sponsored to America here, Chinatown, Los Angeles, by a Catholic church. So I, I grew up here. And you would think a kid would feel so grateful. Oh my God, survived all this stuff in the land where opportunities are a plenty, here to pursue the American dream. But being a refugee immigrant kid, when you watch TV, you don't see anybody that looks like you, uh, anybody with your particular background. And I got bused to a more affluent school. So weren't too many Asians in that school, constantly being teased for being a chink, you know, go home to your own country, you know, things like that. So I grew up with this sense of just not liking myself, not liking the color of my skin, uh, not feeling like I was enough. And all that energy, I kind of carried on with me to adulthood. You know, I created... A life, I created the shell, I created a mask of this person that I thought I needed to be to, to be loved and to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And that energy of not feeling like you're in alignment, that energy of not loving yourself puts you prone to like things like maybe not sleeping well, not eating well, and not moving well, right? And so about five years ago, as a doctor, as an MD, as somebody who goes around the world speaking of the advances in interventional radiology, I was overweight and diabetic, hypertensive, I was on prescription medications. I felt like a fraud. I was a doctor that had chronic disease and just felt like a complete fraud. And all that was from like, you know, that that feeling of needing of not feeling enough and feeling like I needed to chase success, which reminds me and I put this in my book of a quote from the Dalai Lama when he was asked what he found most interesting about humanity. He says man because he would sacrifice his health in order to make money, and then sacrifice his money Get to back. recuperate his health. Yeah, right. So many of us are not conscious of the lives that we're, we're starting to live, and that unconsciousness is actually what causes chronic disease. Yeah, the image as you're as you're describing that is like kind
0: of like a putting a shell around the disease, or like the the, the original point of trauma or dysfunction or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and as opposed to being with it allowing it to air air it out and get the light and exposure and you know whatever it is to allow it to actually breathe and move yes it's like okay we'll just build this shell around it kind of pretend that it doesn't exist cuz maybe at the time we didn't feel like we have the resources in, it, in to interact with it right but then eventually it it's it starts to inform your
1: life it starts to kind of bleed through For and sure. erode well, out I mean, through symptoms that and you see in it our body symptoms. whether it be being overweight Brain fog, being tired all the time, all those symptoms are actually our body's response to this energetic state that's just not right within our body.
0: Where do you feel like you're at with that little this is kind of a weird question, but where do you feel like you're at your relationship with that that little boy on the boat today?
1: Learning to love him more now. And how do I come to this conclusion? The gift of having my daughter. So I had my daughter about four and a half months ago, and it was a really rough birth. We were planning on in- inducing her. We got to the hospital. We started the induction process. Like 10 minutes later, a nurse comes in and says, oh, um, you know, we need to move the monitor because we can't hear the heartbeat. So she moves the monitor, leaves the room, comes back in again like 15 minutes later. Oh, we, we need to move it again. All of a sudden, two nurses come in, three nurses come in, the entire You know, floor comes in because they can't find the heartbeat. They put the ultrasound in to try to see her. I'm there, I'm a radiologist as well, so I could see the images. You could just see the heart slow down. And they said, we need to take her to an emergency C-section. We weren't prepared for this. We end up in the operating room. Baby comes out, I, I see her, thank God. They wheel the baby off to the corner there. Dad, come cut the umbilical cord. I cut the umbilical cord and I just see the baby keep turning blue. And, and I'm like, I'm recording this as well. Everybody's congratulating me. And you could see the happy faces. And in, in just five seconds, you could see their faces go go blank. Like, And I said, hey, hey, but what, what's, what's going on here? Her oxygen levels were just going lower. You know, she had her cord wrapped around her neck and her foot. And she was without oxygen for a while. So they said, hey, Dr. Vu, we need to rush her to the intensive care unit. So they rushed her over there. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, my God, if she had lost oxygen, is she going to come, come out with any type of neurological deficit or any health deficit because of that? And I remember holding her in my arm for the first time. She had a tube down her nose, a tube down her mouth. She had an IV in her small arm. They were pricking her foot the entire time. You see all these like uh, holes there. But When I was holding her in my arms, Jeez. I was like, you know what, it doesn't matter what Health deficits or cognitive deficits or whatever she might have. First of all, she doesn't even know that. If, if she did, but no matter what, just because she's here in my arm, I love her so much. She's worthy, just just as is. Hmm. And that part that was such a healing moment because in my life I was thinking, why did I need X, Y, Z to make me feel like you know I needed something? Why did I not? Also know that I am worthy of love just because we are alive, mm. you know, and you and I and everybody else. What a courageous
0: journey babies go through, oh, i.e. Right. like us. Right. Slash
1: every person. Right? right. Like that's like some hero's journey shit. But that's the beautiful part, right? It's, it's, it's you know, coming into this world perfect, maybe learning things that aren't so perfect, and then having the wherewithal, the awareness to be able to, to heal those parts of ourselves yeah. and come back to pure love and joy and health and vitality.
0: What do you think of the level of imprinting a baby you know, coming out like day one or, or through germination or you know, during their, their time of, of actually being in the womb? Yeah. What do you think the level of imprinting or the impact of that time frame is on the adult mind?
1: It has a lot to do with it, and if you don't have awareness, you can't change it. All this is actually the concept of transgenerational epigenetics, yeah. right? They did this experiment on mice, right? They they basically took these mice, these male mice, they exposed them to the smell of cherries, right? And then every time they, you know, put the smell of cherries there, they would shock the mouse, shock this mice. Yeah. After a while, what happens is they'll just expose the the male mice to the smell of cherries. Without the shock, but you would see that male mice quiver, right? Get this. The next generation over, those male mice would then have offspring. Those offspring, without ever getting the shock, if you expose them to the smell of cherries, they start to quiver. So- there are traumatic experiences in our life you know and the the more trauma the more it changes our dna actually makes these little marks within our dna that changes how our dna is expressed that's epigenetics right and if you aren't aware of it don't change that don't heal that you will pass that on generation to generation to generation however when you start to be able to see it if you could start to release it and shift the the bioenergy within you. You actually not only heal yourself from that, you'll heal your future offspring, and you actually heal your past yeah. and the past generations.
0: You're from with G- Gabor Mate, Doctor Gabor yeah, Mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like world-leading psychologist around the, the psychology around addiction. Like he's he's just brilliant in that mm-hmm. conversation. And he grew up in. Another place, he was a refugee as well. I, I forget the the country that he grew up in exactly. He's he, we did a podcast together a couple of years ago, and he attributes ADD, you know, attention deficit disorder, mm-hmm. as an intentional distraction. Perhaps this isn't a blanket statement for all ADD or ADHD but it's a, a coping mechanism to distract away from the present moment because you're just you don't feel resourced to, to deal with it. Mm. So abusive parents or there's bombs going off or whatever it may be. So you train yourself to not be present mm-hmm. and to distract and go off into these other places. And then it becomes this habituated pattern that you take into adulthood. But in fact at some point it, it you know, early in childhood whenever, right. it actually was your defense mechanism to survive. Yeah very fascinating this is a similar thing happens with like the you're familiar with like the dutch hunger winter uh, being you know, yeah affecting, yeah yeah affecting yeah, yeah children's like, metabolisms right right well, through a lot the of starvation diabetes, of the yeah, mothers. Right, yeah. right after
1: starvation yeah
0: yeah it's really incredible how congruent we are with our our history and then also the potential malleability of our present and our history it's like one continuous
1: yeah.
0: thread in a way but i think it's like coming into a relationship that with that history in the first place is really valuable, and that's the part that I, I'm still in process with my myself. I'm really interested in like tools to actualize that.
1: Yeah. What What are the things that you've tried thus far? And
0: I think therapy is good. Yeah. You know, like talk therapy. Yeah. yeah. Therapy has been really helpful for me of just having honest conversations with with someone that's trained and professionally listening acutely to subtle inauthenticities. Yeah. And that that's been very supportive for me, like asking me hard questions or maybe questions that I don't deem to be hard because I have that, that, that you know, no pun intended, but like hard shell yeah. around the place and having a sensitive, intuitive listener to say like, uh, no, that wasn't a hundred percent. You know, like, yeah. let's, let's go deeper into that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Oh, okay, here we go. You know, plant medicines have, have been supportive. I just finished with an ayahuasca retreat that, that, that you were aware
1: of and. what what about you? Yeah, no, plant medicines has been huge for me. Uh, Why? Well, plant medicines, you know, really allow us, so I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, the science that, that, you know, I'm certainly, I I do ketamine ceremonies myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't really done a lot of the research on the other plant medicines, but when you say you do, you mean you lead? I lead ketamine ceremonies. Yeah. 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 So, uh, which I've been a part of. Yeah. Which you've been a part of and would love to know what your, your take on it is, but you know, so much of the psychedelics allow us to to bring down our default mode network. What's the default mode network? Our default mode network is that area of our brain that's working when we're not, we're not focused on a task. So it is that, you know, reptilian mind, ego mind, I'm not enough. I need to be doing this, X, Y, Z, all those things, all those thoughts, all those neural networks sometimes bring up emotions of, you know, when your nervous system is in dysregulation you feel like, okay, you might have some thoughts or some beliefs or some negative thought loops that just keep going on. Oh. A lot of you know the psychedelic medicines are able to calm that thing down so that you could start to make new networks. And so a lot of the trauma that, that has happened to us as, as kids, unknowingly, maybe picking up the belief that I'm not enough or I'm, I'm not worthy or that thing is dangerous, you can actually quiet all those things down. And and give access to maybe new thoughts, new beliefs, new emotions, and it's been very very healing for for tons and tons of people, particularly with depression, with anxiety, with things like that.
0: Yeah, oh. specifically with ketamine, yeah. I'd love to get into one why you chose that as a path, mm-hmm. especially to to be leading other people through, and then also qualifying with your qualifications as a as a doctor. Yeah, you're internal radiologist.
1: Well, I'm an and, interventional radiologist, interventional right? radiologist. So uh, let's just go over what that is. Well, a radiologist is somebody that uses ultrasound, CT, X-ray, MRI to pierce inside the body yeah. to be able to see disease in the body. So I was very, had good breath of what disease looks like inside. Yeah. As an interventional radiologist, I was basically a surgeon that used those imaging technologies to perform minimally invasive surgeries. So I basically opened up blood vessels that were narrowed vessels that were bleeding i can coil them off i basically put in probes to like burn or freeze tumors so i work with a lot of chronic disease crazy well, why did i make the plunge why why am i using ketamine more uh, more yeah. more about that yeah why did you get into that how
0: did you get into that what's the Which process like, of interventional radiology? That? Interventional radiology? interventional radiology yeah well so you have to do undergrad work i call it an internal radiology that's okay, okay. All, all radiology we're, is we're, pretty we're, pretty, pretty darn internal
1: yeah, yeah. It's using external <laughs> uh, technologies to pierce inside, so internal, right. right? And then you kept on going deeper with psychedelic technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I find myself, you know, said it about five years ago, overweight, diabetic, hypertensive, and getting the early stages of the disease that ended up in my operating room table. Yeah. So why was that the case? And, you know, I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, I didn't like the man I became. I didn't love myself. I was constantly chasing this thing called success. You know, I didn't like the skin that was on me. I wanted to be whiter. I wanted to be taller. I wanted all these things. I wanted that bank account, thinking yeah. that these external things would, would try to fix me. I was chasing that, just yeah. like that quote from the Dalai Lama. Yeah. And then it wasn't until... You You're know, reinforcing the shell as opposed to looking at the, the root. Exactly. Exactly. And then the universe gave me a gift. What What gift was that? It was a year from hell. It was a year where I needed shoulder surgery, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to operate anymore. It was a year I was dating somebody at the time who I thought I was going to marry. She left me for another man because I was never present with her, always trying to chase success as as this doc. Right.
0: Uh, It was ultimately probably for her love and the love of yourself and love of your family and love. It's like I'm I'm doing this for love. Right. Like, well, you're pushing love away. Good work. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Not to speak in your situation, but I'd imagine there's probably. Like the reason we're doing that in the first place is yeah. ultimately probably to be loved. Exactly, I would, I would think for most people, for me,
1: yeah, to be loved. For me, to be respected. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel worthy, you know, and so I I kept that energy. And when we have that energy, like we are not enough. Our body basically, you know, I I speak about this in my my book. Our body basically has basically two two energetic states. If you give the body exactly what it needs, that energy actually speaks to your DNA in a moment-to-moment basis. And if you give it everything it needs, if you've got a good bioenergetic state, what I call the thrive state, your microbiome is great, your telomeres are maintained, you've got great energy, it is the ultimate state for optimal health, performance, and longevity. The other state, if you don't give the cells what it needs, it's got that suboptimal energy We are in that stress and survive state. The same physiology happens exactly as if we were running from a saber-toothed tiger, right? Your blood thickens. Your blood gets shunted to your muscles and not your visceral organs, so you're not detoxifying things. And imagine that going on for a long, long time. Inflammation will increase. Your immunity will decrease. That puts you cr- prone to getting chronic disease. Mm. And that's where I was. I was basically in that stress revived state, that energy and that those signals ourselves are listening to on a moment to moment basis. And so I did, you know, first I worked on the physical stuff, just got better sleep, nutrition and exercise because I never learned any of that stuff in medical school. Docs are probably some of the most unhealthy people ever because they force you know us to, to stay up. We're up, up studying late at night, be working in the hospital pretty late. The food in the hospital is, is full of crap right nobody's exercising so we're we're all pretty unhealthy and we just don't know it yeah paradox it's crazy so i started with that and then i went deeper i took a i did a fellowship in anti-aging regenerative medicine then i started to do a lot of the deep personal work I, you know i started off you know doing things like the landmark forum did a lot of work with uh, the speakers from Mind valley i became a tony robbins platinum member i've worked with shamans that's where the plant medicines came in And uh, once I started to do that deep personal work and started to understand the energetics of that, then I said, okay, this is all part of health. This is how you maintain. This is how our cells are constantly listening to the energies that are around it. All right, this is whole epigenetics. And there are seven main ones that if we focus on these seven main things, your chances of getting a chronic disease are very slim and your chances of living a vibrant life Having optimal health, longevity, and peak performance are very high. What are those seven things? There's a sleep, nutrition, movement, and exercise, our stress and emotional mastery, our thoughts and our mindset, relationships, and purpose. All those things energetically actually have biochemical signals that speak to our DNA in a moment-to-moment basis. You optimize all those things. You start to feel that shift. I'm starting to do more work in that optimization. Am I starting to feel younger, more energetic, and more vibrant than I've ever felt before? Mm. Yeah. So I,
0: I feel like my mind's still going back to like the root wounding, yeah, of sorts. If that's the best language for it, and then the building of the shell around that, and then can a person? I think getting into to that place and actually allowing that that pus to ooze all the way out is incredibly valuable.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know how long will it will take for me because I'm still doing that work all the time. Me too. Yeah. 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 I'm constantly like, oh, wow, you know, I'm Do not you making you feel like this. you punctured the blister? I punctured the blister for sure. Great. and And now, <laughs> now I, I get to see, see it ooze and, you know, sometimes I, you know, I beat myself over the head like, oh, wh- why am I still feeling this way? Like when COVID first hit and the stock market took like a massive hit, you know, I find myself like, oh my gosh, you know, like this bank account just went, Fish. Yeah, sure. You know, and I had my partner at the time, her seven-year-old daughter, just found out she was pregnant. We we moved them all into uh, my place, and I and I was like thinking, how is this the thrive state? I'm, I'm I, w- I was finishing writing this book. Oh, uh, right. This You're is, like, this fuck, the I'm the thrive guy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, how is this thriving? Right? right. You know, I moved from a 1.7 million dollar house. I sold that out because I felt like that part of my life was was not consistent with who I was on the inside. But when I moved this new family in to this house that had basically security bars all around with two liquor stores at the end of the block, moving new people into that home, I felt like, wow, I felt like a fraud, like an imposter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? But being And in that this- was a
0: recurrent theme throughout your life. Exactly.
1: Yeah. But... COVID. Do you feel like
0: you you subconsciously create the scenario for that to remanifest as a product of, of potentiating healing? I apologize for using so many like <laughs> you know making that sound really complex, but like yeah, do no, you no. think that we, we, we steer ourselves back into the wound in order to give it an opportunity to come back up?
1: I think the wound shows up when you're not completely healed and it's a gift because that says, uh-huh, you still need something. you still need something to happen. How did I get over that? Well, I remember when Kira was um, my partner's daughter. She moved in. Here I am thinking, this is a pretty shit, place that I'm having basically this family move in with me. Yeah. But when she came in, she was running around this like really decrepit yard that we had. We created a smaller room for her. She never had a own room before and she was like excited, she was ecstatic. This kid was just like full of love and joy and gratitude for this place that I that I was super super ashamed of because it wasn't, you know, the the, the place that I had in up, up up in the Silver Lake hills. And she just like wiped me out of my imposter, it just made me think like I don't need those things necessarily to make me feel joy and abundance right now. Those feelings, those internal feelings are things that we get to create and we get to cultivate. And that's the beauty and magic and and the work that I'm doing on a uh, day-to-day basis.
0: All right, y'all. I'm going to tell you a little story about Marie, a fellow Align podcast listener. Marie wasn't getting enough sleep. Every night, she struggled with poor sleep and restless legs. But then she made a small change, and one month later, everything was surprisingly better. She went from daily struggles with restless legs, constipation, and poor sleep to no struggles with any of that. She also falls asleep much faster and stays asleep now until normal waking hours. How did she do it? It was all because she started taking Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers, the only organic full spectrum magnesium supplement that includes 7 unique forms of magnesium. All of this happened within only 1 month of use. Listen, if you're having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, one of the best things you can possibly do is start getting enough magnesium. But please do not run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement you find. Most magnesium supplements use only the 2 cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they won't fix your magnesium deficiency or help you sleep better. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed, and you'll be amazed by how much better your sleep is, and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com slash align podcast and use align 10. During checkout to save 10%. Again, for an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com/slash align podcast and use align 10 during checkout to save for 10%. And also, side note if you're not completely 155% satisfied with the product, with the results, then send that sucker back for a full money back guarantee. No questions asked. If you don't notice difference in your sleep, in your muscle recovery, send that stuff back. They'll give You your money back. Bam. Also, I'd like to thank Element. Summer is here and it's getting hot outside. The more you sweat, the more electrolytes you lose, and the more you need to to replenish for optimal performance and optimal recovery. But the truth is, most of us aren't replenishing our electrolytes the way we should during a long endurance workout and after a hard, high-intensity workout. We either aren't replenishing them at all or we are replenishing them with sports drinks and packets that are filled with shitty synthetic ingredients and lots of added sugar, all of which do nothing productive for your health. That's why I exclusively use LMNT or Element Recharge. It's a small packet that's easy to grab on to go and mix into your water bottle. I only use Element because all their ingredients are real and recognizable. Plus, all their products are always sugar-free, gluten-free, paleo. Keto friendly and science backed. Element contains over three times the electrolytes as your average sports drink, plus, it has zero sugar whereas your typical sports drinks will have around 30 grams. I personally highly suggest you integrate Element into your wellness routine this summer, and guess what? You get a free sample pack. You can receive a free Element sample pack, including eight packets of Element, two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored by heading over to drinklmnt.com. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com. That's drinklmn This deal is not available on the regular website. It is specific to Align podcast listeners. So jump over to drinkelement.com forward slash Align. Once again, that's drinklmnt.com forward slash Align. And you only pay $5 for shipping to try this stuff out. And per usual with many of our sponsors, if you are not 1 million percent satisfied with your experience upon purchasing any of their products, they will send you your money back no questions asked. And uh, yeah, I think that if you are not experiencing change impact and uh, what you were hoping for from these products, then get your money back and move on. But I'm very confident that you will experience shift in your health and your wellness and your energy by adding a little bit of element into your cold, delicious summer beverage. All right. Thank you all so much. Back to the podcast. What a cool thing to be able to come back to that the experience of you with your child, with all of the the tubes and like just barely surviving and yeah. being so feeble and small and defenseless, and like how much love you could have for that child in that yeah. moment. Like that just to me feels like it's like a mantra of a, of a thought almost, like like coming back to that place of of being able to love it in that weakest state. Because I think that that's something for maybe a lot of men, maybe just like mm-hmm. my, myself kind of veering away from being weak or being vulnerable or being anything that would be deemed like, you know, sub masculine, right. It's masculine being like Rambo, you know, pumping iron 300, any of that stuff. Right. Right. And, but then within that, like coming back to that place of actually, like I was in the Yucatan on this retreat thing and I had a, uh, a Watsu massage thing was Uh such like you're floating around the water and getting pulled around and uh, it was with the dude and he was pulling me around. And then at the end, he like did some Reiki stuff and he was like holding me, mm-hmm. you know, no sexual whatever. But it was like, and he like had a hand on the top of my head, and the hand on my heart. And it was after getting all twisted around, like the sun and all that. And I like just fully broke down in a beautiful, wow. beautiful way. Yeah. And it was being completely held and being vulnerable to, to be supported and be helped and be,
1: and be loved you know, and be, way. and be
0: loved and yeah. not expect anything in yeah. return. Right. You know, so, so much of, of my world has been built around cool, you know, tit for tat. Like, I appreciate your love. I'll get you back right quick.
1: Right. You know, mm-hmm.
0: like, like you love me because I'll, I'll re support like, okay, how's it? Are we, how's the equilibrium here? Yeah. But yeah. to actually be in that place of complete vulnerability of just like, there's like, nothing to give back like i'm just here to receive in this moment yeah. with not clocking in the back in the background like right. what i can do for you later there was something very special about that that for me i apologize for going on a rant of my experience of
1: oh no that's a beautiful experience and that's what i love about your work too and you know it reminds me of some of your work you know because you know i'm, I'm pretty sure that the position you were in the movement that you were going through as well as the intentionality and the energy was giving, yeah, all sort of shifted your physiology.
0: Yeah, the yeah, yeah. the movement components huge. Yeah, right. you're, you're, you're starting off and you're mm-hmm. starting to open up some of those musculoskeletal binds mm-hmm. that are kind of holding us in these, I think, mental emotional patterns. Yep. Yeah. And it's chicken or the egg. It doesn't matter which came first. Right. All that matters is they're they're congruent. Mm-hmm. You know, if the body forms into a position with defense or pride or whatever it may be, there's a mental emotional mm-hmm. counterpart to that or translation to yeah. that
1: which makes it great to be able to hack yeah. because if you can start to understand that start to understand certain positions mean certain things to your body that your, your body has learned yeah you can start to get into certain positions you know like power poses and things like that and increase your testosterone levels and lower your cortisol levels yeah just by doing stuff what like do that.
0: you get into with the chapter of around movement in, the, in the
1: book? nowhere as close as as what you go but one it was really you know so much so many americans are just not moving right? And that yeah. inactivity is something that our genes and our bodies are not used to. You know, in fact, you know, I think it's actually worse than smoking now, you know, yeah. it causes so much chronic disease. So I focus mainly on that and give people options of how to move, you yeah. know, get a little bit into high intensity interval training, what that does, what functional movement does. I lend people to your work, thanks, which I find really, really fascinating. It's really understanding do. movement in a deeper level, what movement is Functionally, physiologically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually—that's yeah. beautiful. It's such a cool thing when you're saying when you reference
0: the the smoking cigarettes. Yeah, like everybody knows about the loneliness is like 18 cigarettes a day or something like that, yeah, or worse okay. than 18 cigarettes or whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing thinking of of movement being or a lack thereof being you know at least equal to smoking a bunch of cigarettes each day. And the thought that comes to my mind is like you need to move yourself into relationship so there's, there's even a connection there. It's like, oh, yeah. wow, I'm, like, I'm lonely. It's like, well, one, what's the, the structural position of, of loneliness? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a closed off and feeling yep. separate yep. and feeling you know, unlovable. Maybe the shoulders come down and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, your, your breath gets stuck up in your clavicle. And you're kind of like in this, oh. In order to create that connection, you actually, you can come in from the body, you know, and hack, in quotations, right. yourself into relationship Mm-hmm. you know and you could also suddenly find some really incredibly compassionate loving human being and they could they can love you and then all of a sudden that pull, drops the shoulder exactly. and changes the the breath well what i'd also
1: ran. talk about in the book is physically mentally emotionally spiritually all those energies are actually all tied together and so you know if you hack each, any one of those things and shift the energy in any one space, you'll shift it in the, the other space. You well. know, all that matters is you get started. Right. Yeah. What's been the biggest lever for you? The biggest lever for me initially was the physical stuff. Yeah. It was just making sure I ate better, making sure I moved, making sure I got quality sleep. That shifted things. That already started to make me feel better yeah. you know, mentally, emotionally. I started to think better. And then I started to do some of the deeper inner work of, of, of healing. You because know. you felt resource enough to, to get into it, perhaps. Yeah, well, yeah, I think people can start the other way around too. I mean, people you know that, that end up starting you know to get that that healing talk therapy or whatever. You could start there. You could start from the mental, you know, and emotional aspects, and and then find more resources now to be able to live a physically better life. You yeah. know, life with with better physical habits as yeah. well. What do you see
0: in modern culture? What's like the low hanging, looming fruit for you? For when you see people like stress, sleep, nutritional stuff. I I feel like the the
1: overall theme right now, like I would probably say, is our phones. Our phones sort of just hack our attention and they hack basically our consciousness. You know, they are basically pulling our attention away from ourselves so that we cannot be in the present moment and then we get hypnotized into a certain way of living thinking you know and behaving in life mm. i'm a victim of that also you know i, I have to you know constantly check myself I'm like all right i've got to use this yes to get the message out but you know how can i like you know minimize its use and i find that you know those phones really hijack the way we live and and you know a lot of people you know lose their their identity their authenticity and just aren't who they are, you know, when, when, when you're like glued onto those phones. And so I think that that's a very, very big problem. Yeah. And uh, it manifests, you know, in, in different ways. Some people are just super workaholics and comparing themselves to others. That comparison also brings about a lot of mental issues there. So it brings, I think, a lot of different physical ailments, mental ailments come from just consuming our phones too much when we can't be conscious of ourselves. Yeah. And then it creates a really
0: interesting cycle because the the phone, like we become the shape of our environment, you know, like the medium is the message, yeah. Marshall, Marshall McLuhan, mm-hmm. like we, we become that we, we form to it, we adapt to it. And when you're looking down into the phone and the screen and you're in the cubicle and it literally, it, it shrinks your, your vision. Right. You know, so, so your, your muscles, your, your eye muscles, the muscles, they, that too contract right. or to refract that light mm-hmm. and literally puts you into more of a closed down, which, that, that turns
1: on your sympathetic state right which there. Which is a beautiful
0: right? thing in, in doses. Yeah. But if that's your continual state throughout the whole entire day and then the times that you do have available to relax, yeah. your relaxed time is going back into that state. Yeah. You're like missing the whole other side of the coin. Yeah. Right. So it's like that's the really interesting thing for me is, like, is it's not necessarily the phone or the thing or whatever it is. You know, it's one we have a choice. But it is incredibly fascinating how adaptable the human organism is. And whatever the environmental condition that we put ourselves into, we start to become
1: that thing. Exactly. Whether it it's be like the really phone, cool, whether actually. it be your friends, yeah. you know, I mean, we, we become the the health, the success, of the, the mindset of the people or the energy we put ourselves around, whether it be the phones or the people we, we, yeah. we and then up. and then it's the
0: process of being able to have the resources to create enough spaciousness to create change. And that's when I think the the conversation comes into, well, maybe a retreat, maybe a vipassana, maybe you go for a, a camping trip. Like a mm-hmm. camping trip will change most people's lives. Oh yeah. If you live yeah. in a city and you camp for four days in Yosemite, you come back, you're like, I'm a little different. Yeah. You know, like I start to reevaluate things in a different way. And I think oftentimes people in the, the, the plant medicine circles and, and realities and, and cliques and such or psychedelics they put a lot of emphasis and like, oh, that's the panacea solution for everything. Mm-hmm. But I think there's so many other versions of pattern interrupt. Yep. And ultimately, that's what psychedelic does well. Right. It's like a mofo of pattern interrupt. It's yep. like, yeah. and then from there, it creates the, the spaciousness and the potential for reevaluation. And choice. And, and choice, choice. Yeah. 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 To realize that you are not the thought. Mm-hmm. And that's where ketamine becomes really interesting because it's a disassociative. So yep. it takes the thought and says okay before it was me this is i'm all the thought and then for the span of 40 minutes you're like there's the thought okay interesting
1: oh huh. and, and that's we, how not do we, how me
0: do, okay yeah. what do i do now? now what do i do now yeah so what the fuck do i do now how do we integrate that well i think it's what, what and why does that, that happen with ketamine why yeah, do does I that happen about, like the like the, the science yeah.
1: because so, yeah. i have no idea People don't know for <laughs> sure, right? They're, they basically affect our NMDA receptors in the brain, which sort of changes basically neuro excitability and basically turns down you know, certain portions of the brain and turns up certain portions of the brain. But all in all, it kind of dissociates different parts of the brain. So the, like I said, the default mode network that's usually this part of our ego, it's all of a sudden silenced. Mm. And then you can almost kind of see from a higher perspective. I don't know if that was your experience doing ketamine ceremony that you could almost sort of see your thoughts as, as something different.
0: I think with the intramuscular ketamine that I did with you, so there's intramuscular, there's IV, mm-hmm. there's like kind of like powder form, right. there's nasal, there's right. various right. different forms. Mm-hmm. Can you break down a little bit of yeah. the difference between those guys? And if someone is interested in, and I will get, I'm not dodging that question, but yeah. for people that are, who is ketamine assisted therapy for Who's it for first, and then if it is for you, right. what's the paths to go?
1: Right, right, right. So it is used off label now. Most clinics now, if you've suffer from like treatment resistant depression, anxiety, PTSD, chronic pain syndromes, things like that, where it's like this neurological component to maybe some of those feelings, having that disassociative effect could be very, very useful. Yeah. And how do you break down, you know, each method? So the IV one requires a little bit more monitoring, so you're hooked up, uh, you're monitored for your heart rate because it could increase your heart rate, increase your blood pressure. The onset is a little bit slower and it's it's a contained kind of journey, so to speak, because it's going in you at a pretty constant rate. The intramuscular version, I'll do it in private homes and things like that. So I do a very detailed job. You, you know from the questionnaire, I'm asking about history of hypertension, history of hyperthyroidism, and, and looking against any contraindications, also making sure and checking blood pressures so that it could be done safely in a non-clinical setting. But the intramuscular, actually the onset is it'll come in, you'll get a big strong dose, and then you'll come down. And I usually kind of put in, in a, another dose as a second dose thereafter and I find that that really kind of you know quick onset in and out gives more of a psychedelic experience than the IV dose oh yeah and the
0: intranasal sometimes they have like oxytocin and and things yeah 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 yeah. like street k or you get it
1: from a vet and reduce it down yeah. The intranasal does, it's sort of a little bit weaker. I mean, but I know some people who've basically just shoved a bunch of intranasal in there and you can get the same type of journeys you get with the IV and other, uh, but it's not supposed to be done that way. I mean, that those are supposed to be dosed a little bit smaller and almost done daily for people with like really bad depression. And then it becomes, there's the potential of it becoming addictive. Yeah. It's a class three narcotic, which means that they're there is a low potential for abuse, but it's certainly there. If you're somebody that chooses to use these medications as an escape and that becomes your go-to thing for an escape mm. and you're not dealing with what's present and you're constantly needing to escape, at that point it can become abusive.
0: That's like the crucial part is it creates the potential to deal, but you need to deal.:
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You need to do the work at the end of the day. You need to be able to integrate, you know, whatever you see from your journey, whatever you felt from your journey. It's also best after ketamine therapy to have like a therapist or have a coach to be able to talk through what you felt, what you've experienced. And now what are the new choices and actions you're going to take in life so that it starts to integrate into your new self?
0: I'm seeing like imagine like a like you're like been wrestling a bear it's not really a great analogy, <laughs> but you're like wrestling a bear and you're like tussling and tumbling and you're like, you're deep in the wrestling match mm-hmm. and the bear is pissed off at you for some reason or you guys, you know, whatever the, whatever the, the issue is, maybe your attachment styles or whatever. And then that creates the spaciousness to like, okay, the bear goes to its corner, you go to your corner, but there's still the unresolved issues there. Mm-hmm. You're just unentwined for a moment. And so if you're throwing fists and you're like amongst the maelstrom, it's kind of hard to be like, okay, like, you know, let's, let's talk about this. It's like, no, we're like, we're deep in it. And so it creates that space, but then comes in the point of like, okay, like why is this happening in the first place? So, so from there is, is having talk therapy, the thing, is there like somatic therapies? Like how do we actually integrate the work from
1: ketamine or, or maybe psychedelics in general? I think, you know, having a good guide, is, is very helpful. Maybe having, you know, a, a shaman who, who can guide you and integrate you into the process. Having talk therapy is also very good, but having some consistent body of work that you're constantly going back to, and it's going to be dif- different for everybody, whether yeah. it be some somatic therapy. I know some people have uh, integrated, you know, things like Psych K or Psych you K know, is something Bruce Lipton, actually. Oh, cool. it's, it's, it's a form of sort of subconscious uh, type of reprogramming. That he does. I've done a couple sessions with, with some, you know, with, with people kind of trained by Bruce Lipton. There is no neurolinguistic programming. There's hypnotherapy, but certainly just having, at the very least, are you journaling? Are you keeping track of what what you're experiencing? Are you having the awareness now? Are you making new choices? And then having somebody who actually actually is, you know, trained. To actually look in, into your part of your life, like, like you were just saying, that part's gonna be very, very important. But yeah. there's like so many different paths you can take. I just think that once you come out of a psychedelic experience, you need to integrate that because otherwise, if you fall back into the same patterns, you really haven't gotten in, anywhere. Where is ketamine assisted therapy legal? Basically, all throughout the United States, actually. Really? Right now. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So, but certainly go to somebody who's been trained, who'll be able to um, guide you through any contraindications to therapy, and certainly know your intentions coming in, and can also help with the integration process. If, if that doc is not somebody who does it themselves, okay, maybe they have some resources for you. Well, I know of a few people that
0: irresponsibly were prescribed just the sprays, right? and it just became kind of like a recreational escape, and yeah. then it, it did become a problem.
1: Right, yeah, that's and what so, can happen.
0: I think Western culture, in large part, is very immature around the conversation of sacred plants. You could mm-hmm. say, or like psychedelics, and I think also death. We're very immature around that conversation. Mm-hmm. I think sex, very immature
1: around that conversation. I just had that conversation with somebody from from England yesterday, saying Western American culture. This is something we don't talk about here, versus you know over in Europe. This is some, you know all all those topics are
0: yeah. are much more fair game. And within that, it's it's the lack of reverence. That manifests as a product of that immaturity, you know. Whereas yeah. if it can have open dialogue mm-hmm. and we can have true guides that are respected and trained and have a place to go, it's like opening that up. It's like, oh God, what happens if we op- open Pandora's box? It's like, well, we'll probably start to heal, as yeah. opposed to being kind of stuck in these places where there's greater potential to be highly irresponsible with psychedelics in general because we have a very immature relationship with it so by opening up that dialogue Mm -hmm. i think it creates the potential for much much less incidences of that you know the person being this thing kind of getting out of control i think opening up the conversation is so important what do you see in the future of psychedelic research and its impact to the mental emotional situation of western culture
1: i and health i am very very optimistic I think psychedelics have put down in the future because it allows some people to start to sort of like open their mind. And I think, I think our government is really trying to kind of, you know, at some point in time, really kind of close people's minds. Hey, this is the way we do things in America, and that's that. Mm. And it was shunned against for, for a really really long time. But there's a organization called MAPS, yeah. which is the multi. Multidisciplinary- Download on here. Yeah, yeah, I talked about that yeah. uh, in the book and there's a lot of research on you know using psychedelics mdma psilocybin lsd to help with people with end-of-life issues with depression yeah. with anxiety with ocd with ptsd so the research is starting to go in i a good friend of mine dr lynn-marie Morsky. Had just started the psychedelic association for medicine. Right. So it's starting to get some press, we're starting to get some research. And once we're starting to get, you know, some more data, I mean it's it's starting, you know, like I know is starting to be legalized in certain cities and things yeah, like that. I think so. in, in Oakland yep. or Bay Area? hmm Oakland.
0: Yeah. Have you utilized psilocybin much in your own experience? Not in my
1: practice, but yeah, in my own experience. I, I
0: how is how is psilocybin in comparison to to ketamine? Been for you from like a like a therapeutic perspective
1: psilocybin sort of is a mind opener and put that in the category you know very similar to lsd that's a little bit different than the dissociative effects of ketamine well i tried the psilocybin it's really sort of put me it was a a much more opening my mind to a lot of new shapes new colors new you know different type of thoughts in that aspect and it allowed it opened up creativity in me you know yeah i would probably say that's certainly what it did and as you become a little bit more creative you also are more creative of 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 how how more joy more gratitude more love and compassion can be in your life as well
0: yeah Yeah. it seems like psilocybin takes like a more like takes the wheel active role you know where it's like and it opens up synaptic potentiation Mm -hmm. and like neuroplasticity and kind of really allows the, the space to to choose a new path And there's like fuel to drive you down the path. Mm -hmm. Whereas the ketamine for me, it feels a little bit more like, okay, things have been, you know, you've got this, this parasite on you or you're wrestling with the bear, right? It's a little too much you don't have the resources to, to figure out how to split. Like we need a split. Exactly. Let's, and it's, it's really, and, and it once again, comes back into like the maturity of the conversation when, when it is open on the table and we can research and have clinics and guides and, you know, people that are devoting their lives to this incredibly high leverage tool for our, our health and our, you know, our mental well being and, and all of it, it's all tied together. Then you can really get into the specifics of, okay, like this tool is for this, mm-hmm. this tool is for that. And it's not just like drugs. Right. Are there any other, and we'll get off the psychedelic conversation, but are there any other psychedelics that you've experienced or plant medicines that have had specific kind of characteristics or like a description of like a tool for you?
1: Well, not necessarily. Not that I personally tried, but certainly like uh, I know ayahuasca and Iboga have been really good for like drug addictions. Have you experienced Iboga? I have not. Okay. But you haven't done ayahuasca. I have done ayahuasca, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where would you put ayahuasca into that category? I put ayahuasca also as as a part. So I, you know, there there are the heart openers, and then there are the then there the mind openers, right? Within the mind, you know, I put ayahuasca in there along with synthetic DMT, with LSD, with psilocybin, and then also with ketamine. Mm -hmm. And then you've got your heart openers, which are like MDMA, for example. That works more on the serotonin system to allow maybe new pathways of feeling, of
0: feeling good, yeah. feeling love. For someone that's more like Western analytical mind, that's rolling their eyes to, to heart opener. How would you define that to that person?
1: It allows you to maybe tap into emotional states. I shouldn't use higher energetic level, but right. uh, but you know tap <laughs> into I just more asked positive. You how to higher yeah, levels. yeah. You, you know, tap into the more positive uh, emotional states. I would mm. say. What's a positive emotional state? Joy, love, connection, compassion,
0: cool. gratitude. What do you think is, is next for you? Where are you going? What are you most inspired by?
1: Well, I'm really inspired by the, the, the science of epigenetics and you know, the model I talked about in the book, which is the bioenergetic state. And I really do feel that when we start to become conscious of how we live our lives, more conscious of ourselves, we can really reverse the chronic disease statistic, which is probably one of the you know biggest epidemics we have here in America and, and the world. As a kid, I had a desire to do you know media and entertainment for whatever reason. And now I feel like maybe I could use that as a tool to be able to help raise health consciousness. And I'm really excited to, to dive into that a little bit more.
0: Do you want to keep on going down the, the plant medicine road in a public
1: way? Or do you feel like that's... Yeah, I don't think you know. I I've been trained to use it as a tool, and I certainly do that for you know my concierge clients. However, I don't see myself as a big steward in in, in trying to kind of get this open. So I, I wouldn't mind partnering with people yeah. with that, but I feel like my work is really disseminating the information that empowers people to really take hold and be a little bit more conscious about how they're living their life.
0: Have you gotten much backlash from any? more traditional folk about you presenting these conversations
1: not quite yet you know i i, I do work um you know i'm an assistant clinical professor at ucla i still work there part-time yeah. uh, there are some people that don't understand you know why i'm doing what i'm doing but then there's, there's some people that you know i know many mds there they are burnt out and they are you know they got all these symptoms and they're 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 wondering why now themselves right. and to be able to hear my story and to hear, okay, we, we never really learned about what it means to be healthy, what it means to really live. I think that story you know, has inspired some of them as
0: well. What do you think the overall temperature of people's perspectives at UCLA is on, on conversations like this?
1: I would probably say there are departments that are a little bit more open. There are departments like neuropsychoimmunicatologist. You know, immunology, immunology yeah. departments yeah. that are really, really studying this, and you know, uh, I have a colleague there, Stephen Cole, who is a epigeneticist that basically talks about what happens when we feel stress in our body, what happens right. when you know uh, we we have certain habits and w- what it does to our DNA. We have that department that that's really lively, and then you know we have more Good. of your traditional medical specialties and practices. Yeah, and 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 I think it's it's really having people talk more and having more open discussions. And I think with the advent of social media and and webinars and Zoom, it becomes a little easier to have the platform to, to have those conversations.
0: Thanks for doing all this, man.
1: Dude, it was a great conversation. We went deep on a lot of different things today, my brother.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so people should
1: grab ThriveState. They should grab ThriveState, ThriveStateBook.com. And then some of my other work is on my website, KienVu, K-I-E-N-V-U-U.com as well. Cool. And you have a, a program coming up? Yeah, it's called the ThriveState Accelerator. Basically, it's a 10-week program that walks people through the seven bioenergetic elements. It walks you through what the bioenergetic state is, how to master it within yourself, and really give yourself the blueprint for optimal health, longevity, and peak performance. What the hell is the bioenergetic state? I apologize. I'll give the one-minute version of it. Yeah. The bioenergetic state is actually the energetic and epigenetic, basically, energy around ourselves that basically tell ourselves and our DNA how to act. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's seven things that I talk about, sleep, nutrition, movement, stress, and emotional mastery, thoughts, mindset, purpose, and relationships. All those things mainly make up that energy that's around ourselves that talks to our DNA. And basically, if you control your bioenergetic state, and we can do that consciously, it's really our thoughts then controls our bioenergetic state, that then controls our biology, hmm. which essentially means you are your best medicine. Hmm. I love it. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, Where's your social media? Where's Where's Did you, you already mention that? Where is, where, where yeah. Where social
1: media? media is at Kien Vu M D. K I N V U U M D. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you
0: all for tuning in. Wherever the camera is. Go out, grab Thrive State. And yeah, thanks for having this open conversation. Yeah, brother. I appreciate you, dog. Love you. Let's go get some bone broth. All right, over now. I hope you guys devoured that conversation. If you got any specific parts that you thought were rad, you could share it on the gram you could tag me at align podcast you could tag dr Kean at kian vu md and uh, i really enjoy and appreciate seeing specific parts that you guys like i often will reshare them as well uh, because i think it's great to have little lessons and tidbits to share with people great way to remember it great way to get it out there to support your friends Thank you once again for listening. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for reviews. Thanks for um, everything. We've been doing this damn podcast for six years. And I appreciate y'all's support along the way. All right. Hope you're having a lovely week. And I will be speaking with you next week. Pow.